You heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. You know, he just takes everything in stride and steps up and, you know, does what we need to finish and, and win a game. Those are the words of Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer speaking about Giannis, who turned in another 40-point game tonight. And uh, it was a little too close for comfort in the second half, but a win is a win. And uh, I mentioned the Bucks are finding themselves in this stretch right now, a very, very fortuitous stretch, where come Sunday it's going to be six of your, of your last ten games will be against opponents – who played that game without their leading score. Zion Williamson is not going to play on Sunday night. We kind of figured this would be the case when you looked at the schedule and you saw the Zion injury and the timeline there. But no Zion on Sunday night, at least from what we're hearing. I mentioned you caught the Hawks without Trey Young. You've had the Pacers twice without Tyrese Halliburton. You had the Cavaliers without Donovan Mitchell, though you lost that game. It was a game the Bucs played without Giannis, Chris, and Drew. The point of all of this is, the worm is starting to turn, as the phrase goes. The Bucks have dealt with their share of this quite a bit throughout the season, and now it's their turn to recoup some of those games and catch the opponent shorthanded and make up some ground in the standings, which is exactly what the Bucks have started to do now in this month of January, a month where we told you it's a lot different than it was in December. You had a lot of road games in December. Most of your games were on the road. 15 games played. 10 of those were on the road. You play 16 games in January. It's an even split. 8-8. Eight and eight. But they're getting healthy. The schedule is becoming more favorable. And now the Bucks find themselves just two and a half games out of the top spot in all of basketball. 855-616-1620 is... The Old National Bank talking text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Old National Bank, get old. A lot of numbers that jump out, not only from this, but from the month of January as a whole. And they're all offensive numbers. Now, this is a team that is a defensive team. That is how they won a championship two years ago. I do believe the defense is going to start to uh, creep even further up in, in where it is now, despite all of these performances. 130-plus that you've given up twice this week, twice in your last three games, and it's been against the Pistons and the Pacers. Not great. The Bucks are still in the top five in defensive rating. They did finally move back into the top ten in net rating after the win on Wednesday night. And the offense still in the bottom ten. Nights like tonight don't hurt, though in terms of bumping up that offensive rating and just having Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drew Holiday on the floor for an extended period of time is what's going to boost up that offensive rating more than anything. But there's a lot of offensive numbers that have really stood out in this month of January. But the other thing is, I mentioned it in passing on the network post, and we're going to dive into it a little bit more. There's been a lot of doom and gloom on the timeline about the team about somebody who wears number 22, and uh, tonight we 
started to hear, hopefully, a lot of that silenced on the Chris Middleton front. But in terms of this team overall, there are some things worth pointing out that may make you reconsider where this team is headed as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline less than two weeks away now. The trade deadline, February 9th. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line to join us on the show tonight. Your thoughts on yet another 40-point performance from Giannis. The offense that we saw in the first half, I mentioned the trade deadline. There's a lot more chatter that's out there surrounding the Bucks as well. We asked this earlier in the week, what's the missing piece for the Bucks? Doesn't have to be a player by name. Just what is it that the Bucks are missing? And can they attain that between now and February 9th? We'll get into all of that and hear from you after this on Bucks Talk. Feed inside. It was off the fingertips of Turner and taken by Grayson Allen. Allen's running the other direction. Feeds the trailing. Giannis who flushes it through with a ferocious one-hand jam and a foul. Good grief. It's getting freaky tonight. That is one of those hide the women and children moments. That is one of those hide your kids, hide your wife moments. For Giannis, who scores 41 tonight, yet another 40-point game for the MVP of this team, potentially the All-Star game. Set a new franchise record for most All-Star appearances at seven. And for the third time in his career, he is the captain of the All-Star team. Do you like the uh, the new rules, Tommy, of just getting out there and picking the teams right before the game actually starts? Is that a yes? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, I want to get to the point where they just get out. Like, I want Giannis to just draft Eastern Conference guys where there's just no point of the captains and there's it's just... East versus West once again. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what will happen right there. I'm confused right. with... Uh, you were confusing me. Sorry. I'm confused with jersey sales for this whole situation. How are they going to do that with the NBA? Because, uh, you know, they do that for leaks weeding up to it. And now if oh, they're picking... that's a good point. Yeah. They're picking the pickup games... How are you going to sell any jerseys until after the game? That's a good point. But I am a big fan of it. It's going to be a shame to whoever gets picked last in front of the entire arena in Utah. But still, I, I, I'm curious as to why the NBA did that. It seems like they would lose money. Um, or they would make twice as much because you'd have to buy both jerseys because you're not sure which squad. I mean, we know what squad Giannis and LeBron are going to be on, but for the rest of the guys... Well, is he going to be on Team Giannis? Is he going to be on Team LeBron? Right, but then wouldn't half the people be mad that they bought the wrong jersey and they'd have to refund them anyway? Why would you be mad if it's refunded? I guess, fair enough. It's just an extra step. Uh, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text light. If you got thoughts on the All-Star game, but most of our thoughts tonight are on uh, this recent stretch of play. 3-0 and were Giannis, Drew, Chris and Joe are all on the floor. Joe being Ingles. And they're 6-2 and two overall this season when Giannis and Chris and Drew play. Um, I know the win percentage overall 
is around 75% of games when they've had their big three on the floor. They have won the last, uh, what, two-plus seasons now of that. I I have the numbers for the last two years in terms of the raw wins and losses. I don't have two-plus years. But with this win tonight, they're 41-12 and 12 in the last two regular seasons where all three of those players have been on the floor. Pretty good, right? Never lost a playoff series either. They've never lost a playoff series. Undefeated when uh, Giannis and Chris and Drew are healthy for the entire season. But again, 41-12 and is 77% win percentage. So we've seen this for two-plus years now. You keep this squad healthy. I I know I mentioned what is this team missing and what would you have your eyes on at the trade deadline. It doesn't have to be a player because the same few names are going to continue to pop up. It's really starting to give you the P.J. Tucker vibes. Because you remember two years ago when they got P.J. Tucker, that was like the number one guy. And it was it was a couple of weeks ago this time of year. It was right around mid-January. Well, it was, what, mid-February because that everything was pushed back and the trade deadline and All-Star game were in March that year. But um, it was right around, I suppose, this time of the calendar year where... P.J. Tucker we knew was going to be moved, and you, you continue to hear the Bucks' name or the Bucks as a team being linked to him. And I think everybody pointed to, man, that's exactly what the Bucks need. If only you could get him. And then you start to hear more and more of, well, it's coming down to these few teams. It's coming down to the Bucks. It's coming down to the Nets, the Heat. And the Bucks ultimately got him. We are starting to hear the same few names, and I don't know if it's just because we're in a tunnel and it's an echo chamber here of, well, I'm, I'm just going to listen to what these this group of people says because they're saying the Bucks are in on Jay Crowder. But you're just starting to hear the same two or three names over and over and over in every report from every insider of, yeah, the Bucks are still kicking the tires on this player and this player. It seems like Jay Crowder and Emmanuel Quickly are the two names. And look, I have long said I am not opposed to acquiring Jay Crowder. We talked about what's the cost. And I think if anything, you're going to need to use some contracts, right? Obviously. And that's the biggest reason why someone like Grayson Allen's name was attached the most and was coming up the most. I know a big reason is Bucks fans. Uh, disdain is probably a, a too strong of a word, but just frustration with Grayson Allen during that playoff series against the Celtics. So that's another contributing factor. But You need to match the salaries. So that's a big component to it. But I think, if anything, what we've seen is it's teams like the Bucs, if they are, in fact, interested in Jay Crowder and in on him. Whoever else is out there saying, hey, we want this guy, those are the teams that have more leverage at this point than in the beginning of the season. The Suns have just been on a massive slide and in a – an injury to Devin Booker is a big part of that, who suffered a groin strain on Christmas Day. Suns have been below 500 since he went out of the lineup, and at one point they were outside of the playoffs. Now they're currently 7th or 8th in the West, but in the Western Conference, 5 or 6 through 12 is separated by a game or two. So they could very, very easily drop down to 12th. It just seems like the magic is kind of gone in Phoenix, and the Bucks, whoever it is, The Miami Heat's another name, team that you hear linked to Jay Crowder. Whatever team it is, you look at the situation and you say, well, 
whatever we talked about before, that offer's gone. Like, here's, here's the offer. It doesn't change. This is the standing offer. And you're starting to hear that. Because time is running away for the Phoenix Suns. They need to do something. It's becoming a distressed asset of really, really poor asset management to not work on this in the offseason when, when this started to bubble up, to not approach things early in the season and say, let's be aggressive here and let's, let's find a new home for you and let's get some value. Because otherwise, who's to say it doesn't move towards a buyout? It's also going to be interesting to monitor the ownership change. It's expected to take place before the February 9th All-Star trade deadline, I should say. And uh, that is the new owner, Matt Ishbia, taking control. What does that do? To the incentive to move Jay Crowder, to their desire to move him? Does it change anything from either end? Uh, That is something to monitor. But I do think... You know, all this talk before of, well, it would be matching salary and then you'd have to throw something else in. We've said all along on this show, you're not chipping in more assets. Like You're going to make the salaries match, but look at the age here. You're not giving up a whole lot more than second rounder. Like The reports that the Phoenix Suns want a first round pick, they want two of three things. They want a first rounder, they want a young player, and they want somebody similar to Jay Crowder. you got to give us two of those three things. You think Rui kind of reset the market? Because I felt like that was a not a big haul to get Rui from the Lakers. Um, it not not a big haul that the Wizards got. You're saying right? What was well, it? Three, four second rounders, and then three Kendrick, second rounders, Kendrick Nunn, and an expiring contract. But I mean, Rui Hashimura has been a lottery pick in terms of where he was selected, but he hasn't played like that. I mean, isn't that better than but, Jay Crowder look, not playing? But we said here the Bucks have plenty of second-rounders to use, and that's how they got P.J. Tucker. That's how they got Nico Miritich way back when. That's what helped facilitate and juice the wheels for, for bringing in a guy like George Hill in that trade uh, in Bud's first year. So, it's look, we can scoff at second-rounders, but they do carry value. And I think that's what you bring up, Tommy, is something that's going to help the Bucks of watching – I know it's Rui Hachimura, and, and almost every team, even with their current age, would much rather have Jay Crowder than Rui Hachimura, but still, the Lakers got him, a former lottery pick for three second-round picks. It just shows you there there is value in that second-rounder, and that's what the Bucks have to toss around. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. An update on some of the metrics here for the Bucks in terms of their net rating. The numbers in the month of January, we're digging into and trying to figure out what is the Bucks franchise record for three-pointers made in a month because we saw one franchise record set tonight. So we'll continue to dig into the numbers after this on Bucks Talk. I got, I got, I got. Holiday's got it on the right wing, sends a dart to the corner. Ingles alone from three again and again. He rips the courts on his second three ball already. How about seven of ten for the Bucks to start this one from distance? Ten-point road win for the Bucks in Indianapolis over the Pacers. Another 40-point game from Giannis. A game where Chris Middleton looked pretty, pretty good in the first half. And, and look, let's also point this out. Uh, I don't know about you, Tommy. It, it, you may view it as petty. I keep receipts. 
On Chris? On everything? Yeah. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we, not me, but a lot of people out there were pouring dirt on Chris Middleton, and it's time to reconsider. I, I don't know how I don't know how you could have did that. How could you sell on him so fast? Well, I've seen a lot of backpedaling tonight. And look, it, it's it's one stretch of games here, and it's 15 minutes in each of these three games. But the fact that the team took their time with him and is like, well, let's just it, – it's more important to have him in April and May and hopefully June than it is November and December and January. So let's play the long game here and yet – I still had to, on a daily occurrence, see the suggestions of maybe it's time to consider Chris for Bradley Beal. Uh, no. <laughs> Please, no. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Let's head out to the phone lines and uh, catch up with a man that I know would not suggest trading Chris Middleton for, for Bradley Beal or anyone else. Dick in Port Washington joins us tonight on a Bucks Talk. How's it going, Dick? Yeah, I... Everybody that says trade Chris Middleton for, for Beal is smoking the wrong kind of, of cigarette. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. But I want to get back to the the, the trade deadline here. Um, I, I don't think we should look to the West. We should look towards the East. The Knicks, they need a big man. And they're trying to unload Reddish. And uh, is it quick? How do you say that guy's Quickly. name? Quickly. Quickly. Quickly, thank you. Why well, I didn't say quickly enough. Um, I, I think what I would do, if I'd be the Bucks, I'd offer a surge. And, and something else about surge is that the team seems much more relaxed and together since he's not been there. Just a sidelight. But um, I, I'd offer him. I'd offer Jordan. Um, and then the question would be, would you offer Pat or would you offer Grayson? Because I think they would look at that as a serious trade. I, I, I don't understand um, out West. Um, he, he's, he's an older player. We're, we're the oldest team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Why would you want to gain him here? And then he's only going to be a rental. And we don't know if he's in shape. Um you know, get some guys that at least like with with with, with the, the Knicks, those guys at least from practicing with the team, maybe maybe on on just be the opposing team, but those guys are gonna be in shape. I just don't see um I don't see a future making a trade with Phoenix. I see a future and an improvement immediately with the trade to the Knicks. What do you think of that idea? Um so to your point, and, and none of us have the answer on this other than than Jay Crowder or potentially the Suns. But to your point on you know Jay Crowder's uh, activity this season, he's been on ice, so it, it it could be there's quite a bit of rust, and who knows? Maybe there's a lot more regression than we've seen because he's not been out there on the floor. Could also be the opposite. I mean, I know he played. When he was in Memphis, but they sh- they they shut him down shortly before trading him to the Miami Heat, and he looked certainly energized and ready to go there. We've seen other players do it. Andre Iguodala was completely shut down. He came back, was traded, and had a really good run with the Miami Heat. 
Uh, look at Brooke Lopez. I know I'm not comparing having your back sliced open in back surgery to just sitting out and requesting a trade, but I think a lot of or a big part of why we've seen Brooke Lopez look so good and fresh this season was not playing last year. So it could be that this has been helpful for Jay Crowder, for being a veteran and an older guy. I get your point, and I know I've talked about it before, too, of, you know, at some point I'd like to get younger if I'm the Bucks, but the reality is their window is right now. It's this year we have a very good chance to win a championship. Next year, like, we got to do everything we can to fulfill that in the short term, and if we can get younger in doing so, great. But our our number one um, responsibility right now is trying to win a championship this very season. Yeah, but but getting the two guys from the Knicks would also do that. Uh, I, I, Crowder, I mean, uh, so you know, his his three point shooting percentage has been going down, not up. You know, yeah. um, I guess you could say the same for Reddish. I think he, if he comes over the box, he's got a lot to prove. I think I just don't, and you're not, you're not going to have a rental. You know, you can improve, and and he's he's not going to be um, what PJ Tucker was coming here. He's just not. I just, I don't see it at least. Um. Well, in look in terms of numbers, he he probably will. He, he if that happened, in terms of these statistics. Probably would be P.J. Tucker, if not slightly better. But to your point of everything, like you can't just look at P.J. Tucker's per-game averages and say, well, that's the exact value that he brought to the team, to the point that you're making there. Um, look, I, I, uh, I've I, probably been higher on uh, Cam Reddish than based on what we've seen at the NBA level than I should be. Maybe that that is just prisoner of the moment and watching him hold up pretty well in the conference finals for brief stretches, albeit, against the Bucs. Um, but the thing is, Jake Crowder is a guy that I, I think you know you at least trust in those big moments. Cam Reddish had a couple of those moments in the conference finals against the Bucs, but I don't think he's a guy you would look to and say, this immediately improves us. It's more of a, potentially, we can develop him and improve him, and we can get something from him. But it's not a, a plug-and-play situation, at least as of yet. That would be my one reservation there. And, and if you make a move with the Knicks, it can't be solely for him. And I, I don't know if you could do it solely for he and Emmanuel quickly. Like, it would have to be part of a package of deals. Yeah, okay. And that, okay, so I, I, I see your point, and, and it, it's, I don't know where it's going to go. But how about this question, and I, and I raised it in my question to you, is who would you give up? Because you're going to have to give up one of them. Pat or Grayson? Who would you give up? Well, I, I don't understand um, where the reporting came from, because I, I think we've all seen it in the last couple of days of, of linking Pat Connaughton. I get it in terms of the financials, but... They are not trading Pat Connaughton. I mean, Bud absolutely loves him. He is one of the few trusted two-way guys on this team. And, you know, we talked about this the other night, too. I think as the season progresses, depending on what you do moving into the trade deadline, I think you may see your best grouping is going to be your big three, Pat Connaughton and Joe Ingles. So I don't see any way that Pat Connaughton is moved. But okay, so if you start Ingles and you start Pat, 
who's going to come off the bench? Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying start. I think those that's just your most optimized lineup. You're going to keep your same okay. starting five, but when you get to closing time. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay, I got you. What, what, yeah, okay, like they did tonight. Okay, yeah, I buy that. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, uh, we will uh, we'll check in with you again next week. Four straight at home, and you're, you're starting, I'll be here. You're starting to catch more teams that are banged up, and hopefully you get some revenge against some of those bad teams as well. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight. The Old National Bank talking text line if you want to join us on uh, Bucks Talk here. Old National Bank, get old. And look, we should also point out, um, here's why, and I know Dick brought this up with getting younger and rentals, but here's the reality. And again, none of this is obviously reporting, but the names that have been surfacing the most, however much of this is vetted reporting versus just somebody brought it up where it was something and then it spread like wildfire and now every single Bucks fan and every Bucks Twitter account is running with this. Jay Crowder, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, those are the three names that are probably mentioned the most with this team. Um, Jay Crowder's an older player, but Jay Crowder, I still think, helps you win right now. The other two guys from New York... They aren't exactly, well, this is the double negative, but it's not exactly as though they're not rentals. I mean, the Knicks would be looking to move on if they do, in fact, make this trade because, one, they're playing well, and they're kind of in the same boat of, let's just try to win now. We're New York. Let's try to build some of these pieces, bring in some pieces around guys that are playing well, like Julius Randle, obviously, like Jalen Brunson, but uh, R.J. Barrett, you just paid Cam Reddish plays the same position as him. You took a flyer on him last year. He's a restricted free agent this summer, so he is, in fact, a rental. And Emmanuel Quickly is another guy that he is a restricted free agent, not this summer, but the summer afterwards. So it's it's not a rental, but it's not long-term security. You would get younger, but you're going to pay those guys. And I think that the difference being... Depending on what you pay him, you're giving yourself those contracts that we talked about you didn't have because much of this team is composed of max deals or super max deals. And a couple of years ago, it was all minimums. You've started to add a little bit more with the George Hill contract, uh, with that Grayson Allen deal, but ideally, that's why that's the other difficulties. You can't trade first round picks. And outside of guys that are very, very valuable and useful to this team, like a Pat Connaughton, you know, you look at those mid-tier contracts, Grayson Allen, $9.3 million. Uh, Joe Ingles, you're not trading Joe Ingles, but $6.4 million. Pat Connaughton's at five point seven, and then it goes up to the nines in the years afterwards. Bobby Portis is at $10 million. Like Those are the deals that typically, size of deals that typically get traded. You're not trading Pat Connaughton. So that's the difficulty that the Bucks are running into here. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. We'll take a look. At the similarities we've seen for an extended period of time now between the Bucks and the Boston Celtics, the doom and gloom that we heard a couple of weeks ago, why it was way too early to rush to judgment, I'll explain after this. 
Working on a weekend like usual. Giannis goes hunched over now at the top of the circle on the other side of things. He'll shovel the hand off to Connaughton. He'll unload on another three. Boy, he is absolutely on a torrid stretch as he drills another one from the left side. So Connaughton on a 6-0 run of his own, and the Bucks lead 8-4. Yeah, 33 points and 20 rebounds in the last two games from Pat Connaughton. He is not getting traded. I am willing to guarantee it, Tommy. I will put whatever it is. Non-monetary, because I don't think I can. But I'll, I'm willing to guarantee Pat Connaughton's not traded, just as I've kind of mentioned in a couple of different spaces. I'm like 90% sure. You know what? At this point, I'm going to stamp a guarantee on it. Drew Holiday is going to be an all-star. He's going to be an all-star reserve this year. And by the way, did you hear the uh, the phone call from Daryl Morey? No, I don't think so. Oh, we'll play that momentarily in regards to the All-Star game and his guy, Joel Embiid. Um, but Pat Connaughton's not getting moved. And again, two years ago, Bucks really started to change their identity in terms of their two-way play when it was uh, April-ish, March, April in that season. And again, you got to remember the season started in December when Pat Connaughton started to become the small ball four. And they would take Brooke Lopez off the floor in closing situations. Pat Connaughton played with the rest of the group to close things out. Then you got P.J. Tucker, and you're able to do things like that even more. But Pat Connaughton is going to be that guy once again. In the last two games, he's really stepped up with no Bobby Portis, where it, you know you've heard Bud kind of foreshadow of, Who's going to take over some of these Bobby minutes? Because you don't have a whole lot of depth all of a sudden. Is this a big opportunity for Sandro? And he kind of tiptoed, but, well, PC's a guy that we know can rebound well for his position, and he can do some of those things. And slowly but surely, we've seen Pat Connaughton piece together two pretty good games. It helps that he's knocking down at a high volume, the outside shot. But again, 33 points and 20 boards in the last two games. That's exactly the type of production you get from Bobby Portis And Pat Connaughton has given you that, and Pat Connaughton gives you a little more versatility defensively as well. Obviously not the size of Bobby, but he gives you that versatility. So he's not getting moved. That is guarantee number one. And guarantee number two, Drew Holiday is going to be an all-star. I guarantee it. He will be an all-star along with Giannis this season. Now, I mentioned the, the doom and gloom that we heard. Now, you're not out of the woods yet, and it's not to say... There still does not remain area for improvement, and there weren't reasons to rightfully criticize and say, well, what, what are we seeing here from this team? You start 9-0, everybody pointed to, yeah, but since the 9-0 start, they're X and X, right? 500 team. Some of us maintain, well, look, I'm not saying these critiques aren't valid. It's okay to raise an eyebrow and be somewhat concerned of what what is going on here. But talk to me in February. Get to me in March. If this team is still consistently giving up 130 points to teams like the Pistons and the Pacers when we get to February and March, we're almost in February, so I should say late February, post-All-Star break. Talk to me after that. If those issues remain, if the inconsistency is there, if we're continuing to see a high volume of games without your big three and others on the floor, then it is time to be worried. But for better or worse, we've seen from this league 
post-All-Star break is where all the attention goes. Don't dig yourself too deep of a hole, though as we pointed out just a couple of days ago, look where the Boston Celtics were at this time a year ago. Look where they finished. The Bucs were basically right in the same spot, and it's just not as many teams they have to jump over as the Celtics did a season ago. But the other thing worth pointing out is this. Since December 1st, the Bucs have, have had one extreme with the injuries and everything else, the difficult schedule in December. It started to settle down a bit in January. You had one more game, but it was split down the middle of home versus road. 16 games, eight at home, eight on the road, but a lot of the level of competition dropped compared to Night after night, the Grizzlies, the Celtics, the Pelicans, the Cavs, the Nets, one after another in December. That shifted in January. But if we just look at everything we have seen since December 1st, who would you guess has the best record in the Eastern Conference? So the standings right now, the Boston Celtics are at the top of the East, two and a half games in front of the both, both the Bucks. And the Sixers, then you have the Nets and the Cavs. Since December 1st only, though, taking out the two weeks in October and November, who has the best record in the East? I think Philly's been pretty hot, right? Philadelphia 76ers are 19-6, and the best record in the Eastern Conference and the second best record in basketball since December 1st. So you are correct. The team with the second best record since December 1st, is two games behind Philadelphia, and that is the 17-8 and Brooklyn Nets. The team with the third-best record since December 1st, they are 17-10, and one game back of the Brooklyn Nets, um, three games back of the 76ers, and that is... The Miami Heat, four and five since December 1st, is the Boston Celtics, who are 17 and 11, and the Bucs, who are 17 and 12. So look at what Boston's doing. We're not mentioning, well, ever since Boston started the season red hot, some of us are, but not to the volume that everybody was mentioning the Bucs. And I get it. The Bucs started 9 and 0. The Bucs had a lot more of those head scratchers than the Celtics have, but these two teams have been the same. Didn't they play all those teams in that stretch, too? They had a brutal stretch in the beginning of December, right? Yeah, all of December was was basically against those teams. And and look, the Celtics beat the Bucs. That is ultimately the biggest differentiator. Not only beat, they embarrassed. But Chris Middleton didn't play in that game. It was a much different Bucks team that was on the floor. And... Just what we've seen from these three games. I get the competition. Give me more looks at this. Give me an extended runway here for this team. Close to full strength without Bobby Portis, but let's also recognize Celtics have been going through it too. Now, in terms of the metrics, that's where it stands out a little bit. The Bucks have basically been flat with net rating, which isn't good. That's 500. But the teams that are jumping out are in the West. The Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Celtics, or excuse me, the Sixers have been really good. But the other thing worth pointing out, and I've said this a couple of times now, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Brooklyn Nets have all been very, very fortunate in terms of injuries. I know the Nets are going through it now with no Kevin Durant, and I know the Sixers 
had a run earlier in the season prior to this run in December where they had both James Harden and Tyrese Maxey off the floor. But those three teams have been very, very fortunate in terms of their health. They're in the bottom half or bottom 10 when you look at the man games lost to injury. The Heat, the Bucks, the Cavs cannot say the same thing. Cavaliers are 16 and 12 in that stretch. The Heat might be the most impressive to be 17 and 10, third best record in the East since December 1st, and to do this while dealing with a number of injuries. That may be more impressive than anything else, but we continue to mention things are going to start to shift. The Bucks are going to get healthy. The Heat are going to get healthy. The Cavs, you would think, are going to get healthy. Those other three teams at the top, they're probably going to start to experience a little more injuries, specifically the Celtics, who have dealt with the least. So that is one thing to keep an eye on, certainly in February and post-All-Star break. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. We'll preview what's next for the Bucks. A four-game homestand. It starts Sunday night against the Pelicans. We assume there will be no Zion Williamson. And we should also point out, we keep mentioning this number, how close is LeBron James when it comes to his quest for history and will it happen against the Bucks? We'll give you your nightly tracker and uh, where we assume it'll happen after this on Bucks Talk. Ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. The bench mob was hungry, and someone ate. Who was it? Tonight's sub of the game is for the Bucks. Middleton, good first step, got past his man, lays the shot off the window, and good with a foul. Seventeen from Chris Middleton. All of those came in the first half, but uh, another game where. He continues to look better and better and and more and more like the guy we've seen the last few years. This was the best of the three games we've seen since his uh, return 2.0, but another game of just 15 minutes. So they are continuing to take things very slow with Chris Middleton. But as we said, no complaints here. It means we're going to have him in April, May, hopefully June. I would much rather a Chris Middleton there as we saw last spring then worry about getting Chris Middleton back on the floor in November and December. But 17 tonight from Chris Middleton. He is our sub of the game. We'll wrap up the show, preview a four-game homestand that begins on Sunday night. And I mentioned the LeBron James tracker. How close are we to LeBron James becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer? And will it occur against the Bucs? We'll take a look after this on Bucks Talk. 10-point win in Indianapolis as the Bucks take down the Pacers. Oh, by the way, another 40-point game from Giannis, the most he's had in the last two years, three years. He's been really good, is, is the long story short. And once again, the captain of the All-Star team for the third time in his career. Uh, maybe he'll be on the same team as Drew Holiday, who I guarantee will be an All-Star this Season, I think the Player of the Week honors just put it over the top, but there's just been so much discourse over how has Drew Holiday only been an All-Star once? I think that, the fact that he is going to get the vote of his peers, of coaches, and every single player points to, man, he's the most underrated player, wins the Player of the Week. I think a lot more people are saying it was pretty deserving last year. No slight to Chris, but maybe we should have put Drew in instead of Chris. And, oh, by the way, the Bucks' second-best record in the Eastern Conference, despite all those injuries. Drew Holiday 
is as big a reason behind that as anyone. Here's the thing. 158 points separates LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We will keep you up to date on this nightly because I truly believe it is going to be broken against the Bucs. 158 points. Uh, LeBron has a game tomorrow against the Celtics. It is a national game. He has a game on Monday against the Brooklyn Nets. Then a game on Tuesday. So that's a back-to-back. A handful of games between now and then. If he scores at his current scoring pace, it'll take him six games to do it. The Bucks is the seventh game. If he misses one, you get the sense. It's going to happen early in that game. Oh, by the way, a nationally broadcast game and a game where you would assume Kareem will be in the building at Crypto.com Arena and a game against the team Kareem also played for the Lakers and the Bucks. So I think it's going to happen against the Bucks in a game that's played on February 9th. The trade deadline, too. So we'll get into the trade deadline even more when we reconvene again Sunday night. The Bucks and the New Orleans Pelicans, 7 o'clock tip, 6.30 is when our radio network coverage begins. And as always, Bucks talk immediately after the game. My thanks to Tommy Wirtz and Chris Larson for producing the show. Talk to you Sunday night.